0: in the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Dw Void. were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Oracle Oracle Network. Network.
1: Look Look deeper. We have an active shooter. We have an active shooter
0: inside the warehouse.
1: Welcome to Active Shooter. A podcast that covers the whys, the hows, and the aftermath of active shooter and mass casualty events. They have an active shooter in the building. A second call says they uh, are being attacked. I've been shot.
2: 16910 means we got shots fired. 415A at the Route 291. Sounded
1: like an automatic firearm.
0: Shooter reports of an active shooter. Active shooter. Active shooter of mass
1: casualty incidents. Thank you for listening.
0: You are listening to Active Shooter, a podcast that may contain adult themes, explicit language, and graphic depictions of violence. Portions of this show may be traumatic for those under eighteen. Listener discretion is advised. We are interrupting this broadcast with breaking news. We have just learned of another mass shooting, this time in the neighboring cities of Midland and Odessa, Texas, in multiple locations. Authorities have confirmed five people are dead and 21 others hurt. At least one officer is among the injured. Witnesses are posting videos like these on social media. In one of those images, you can see a pickup truck with multiple bullet holes on the side of the road. Police in Midland say at one point, a suspect Hijacked a U.S. mail truck. Local police have confirmed the shooter was shot and killed, and it is no longer an active shooter situation. The ATF and the FBI are also responding.
1: When you are driving or traveling in a car going somewhere, whether it be to your job, to the shopping mall, or any other place, the last thing you are usually worried about is being shot by a deranged gunman driving around sticking his rifle out of the window of his car, and firing. On August 31st, 2019, that is exactly what happened to seven individuals who were doing nothing wrong and were just trying to get from one place to another, and another 25 victims who would be injured. Three of the 25 victims that were injured were police officers. Active Shooter The Podcast is a High Five Holly production. And I'm your host, JT. If you've listened to our prior episodes, you know that the Active Shooter Podcast Team has taken the No Notoriety Pledge, and we will not be sharing the real name of the shooters that we cover. We will be giving the shooters a pseudonym and refer to them by that name throughout the episode. This will help in clearing up any confusion in the story. While remaining true to our pledge and not naming the shooter by their actual name. In today's episode, we will refer to the shooter as Chad.
2: You'll notice that I'm not naming this subject, and there's a reason for that. I refuse to. I'm not going to give him any notoriety for what he did. We'll provide that information to you, but not in this public stage.
1: In the late morning or early afternoon on August 31st, 2019, Chad was called into the main office building of his employer, Journey Oilfield Services. His manager explained that he was being let go due to the manager receiving multiple complaints from other employees about Chad's odd behavior, particularly for speaking rudely to fellow employees. The manager asked for Chad's keys to the property, as well as a receiver that opens the front gate. Chad immediately became irate and started making bizarre statements. He claimed that other employees were involved in child pornography and went on to discuss different conspiracy theories about the oilfield company tracking him. Chad stormed off. He got into his late 90s gold Toyota Camry and attempted to drive off. Since he failed to give his keys and the receiver back to the employer, the manager flipped the breaker, thereby turning the power off to the front gate. This stopped the electric gate from opening. It didn't stop Chad. All of a sudden, he revved his engine and floored the gas pedal slamming into and crashing through the gate setting himself free from the property watching Chad drive through the fence the manager called 911 to report that a former employee had just been fired and damaged their property
2: so saturday morning our suspect went to work at Journey Oilfield Service he was there for a short time and was terminated by his employer Right after that firing, um, he called 911. Odessa Police Department 911, and so did his employer. And uh, basically, they were complaining on each other because they had a disagreement over the fire.
1: At 1:29 p.m., Odessa Police Department Officer Taylor Box responded to Journey Oilfield Services. The manager was worried that Chad was on his way to a job site so additional officers responded to that job site just in case Chad showed up. During this time, other officers responded to the Journey Oilfield Services office building to aid the officer with interviewing employees who witnessed Chad's fit of rage. While officers were speaking with employees, Chad called 911 and asked to be transferred to the officers that were at the office building. While officers were speaking with employees, Chad called 911 and asked to be transferred to the officers that were at the office building. When Officer Box answered the phone, Chad went on another tirade, complaining that he had been held against his will at the office building, and the only way for him to escape was to crash through the fence. He also said that there was a cult planning his murder.
2: Sure, he called the National Tip Line about 15 minutes before his encounter with the troopers. It was... Uh
0: Frankly, the rambling statements about some of the atrocities that he felt that he had gone through. He did not make a threat during that phone call. He ended that phone call. Um, after the phone call, we initiated all of our law enforcement procedures, trying to figure out who he was, where he was.
1: After Officer Box got off the phone with Chad, he went back to his work of interviewing witnesses at the office building. Not long after he hung up, the officers heard radio traffic coming through their police radios of reports of a reckless driver who had a long rifle. Officer Box felt a chill go through his entire body when he heard the description of the car that was driving so carelessly. The description matched the vehicle that Chad was driving when he crashed into the fence at the Journey Oilfield Service's office building. Meanwhile, at 3.13pm, Department of Public Safety Trooper Chuck Pryor saw a late-1990s Toyota Camry fail to signal a lane change. Trooper Pryor activated his patrol lights and attempted to pull the driver over for the driving violation. The Camry didn't pull over, however. Rather, he continued driving while gradually gaining speed.
2: The Texas Department of Public Safety made made an initial traffic stop at about 3.15 on I-20 yesterday afternoon, and their trooper was shot during that traffic stop. Our subject then proceeded into the city of Odessa and over a period of time created several more victims.
1: All of a sudden, Trooper Pryor saw the driver, Chad, raise his rifle out toward the rear window and open fire. Trooper Pryor immediately called shots fired over the police radio and asked for officers to respond as backup. He couldn't physically or safely continue chasing after Chad. So he pulled over and waited for backup to arrive. As he did so, he watched Chad speed off, not once touching the brakes or slowing down.
0: Pop pop pop, but it but it was loud and and you could feel the per, the percussion. Is that what it's called? And um I I said to Dan, I'm like, is that? Did that car just backfire? And um, he was like confused because it didn't really sound like a car backfiring. And right, oh god. Okay. I looked. I looked over my shoulder to left, and. The gold car pulled up, and the man was there, and he had a very large gun, and it was pointing
2: at me.
1: (laughs) Chad approached the intersection of 338 and 191 just as Maria Bordeaux was leaving the Academy Sports Store. She had her toddler safely buckled in the back seat of her vehicle and was talking to her husband on the phone. Seemingly, out of nowhere, Maria's husband heard her scream into the phone. A scream, which no one wants to hear while speaking to a loved one. After the scream, the phone line went dead. Maria's husband immediately called back in an attempt to reconnect with her. Finally, someone answered the phone. But the voice on the other end of the line was not Maria, but rather, a stranger that her husband did not know. The stranger told him that there was a shooting, and Maria...
2: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather,
1: now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
2: VDW Group, no purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. A
1: toddler were being taken to the hospital. Unfortunately, Maria did not survive her wounds. But thankfully, their toddler wasn't harmed. On East 42nd Street, just over a mile down the street from the Academy Sports Store, 15-year-old Lila Hernandez was with her mom, brother, and stepfather at the Freedom Buick GMC. The family was waiting for a set of keys so they could take a truck for a test drive. While waiting, Lila was shot in the neck. Out of instinct, her 18-year-old brother Nathan jumped on top of Lila in an effort to shield her from any more bullets that may come her way. Nathan was injured, protecting his sister. Lila's stepfather removed his shirt and applied pressure to her wound attempting to save her life. Unfortunately, it didn't work. And when paramedics arrived, she was pronounced dead. Chad continued driving down 42nd Street, driving in and out of different parking lots randomly firing his weapon. Bullet casings were found in the Olive Garden, Market Street, and Twin Peaks parking lots. At 3.34 p.m., Chad continued driving, and this time, he drove through various subdivisions, such as Tanglewood Lane, Maple Avenue, and East Everglade Avenue. Just one minute later, at three thirty five PM a traffic light surveillance camera showed Chad, stopped at a red light on the corner of thirty eighth Street and North Dixie Boulevard. After stopping, he put his vehicle in park and got out. He started shooting at cars that were stopped, both in front and behind him. Chad also had a small tan colored dog that jumped out of the vehicle running off at the same time. Chad then got back into his car and continued his rampage. At 38th Street and Walnut Avenue, Edwin Peregrino was at his parents' house with his brother-in-law. The two men heard gunshots and went outside to see where they were coming from. Edwin was shot, just outside of the home, and was killed instantly. His brother-in-law was injured badly, but he lived. Two other men were killed during the attack. Cameron Brown was found dead in his company's truck at the intersection of Grandview Avenue and Yukon Road. He died from a single gunshot wound to the head.
0: Oh, straight up. King just got shot. (sighs) So lucky to be alive right now.
1: Joe Griffith was at the Stripes convenience store located at Faudry Road with his wife and two children. The family was on their way to have family photos taken when Joe was shot and killed. The rest of his family remained unharmed. Rodolfo Acro, or Rudy to his friends and family, was driving one of his company trucks when Chad fired three bullets at him. Two bullets passed through the cab of the truck, and the third bullet went through the window, killing Rudy instantly. Between 3.35 p.m. and 3.38 p.m., Chad spotted United States Postal Service worker Mary Granados in her work van on Adams Avenue. He pulled Mary out of her van, shot her in the head and the side, and left her lifeless body on the side of the road, jumping into her van and driving away. At 4 o'clock p.m., Midland Police Department Officer Zach Owens saw a suspicious-looking United States Postal Office van in a parking lot behind the Synergy Cinema. Officer Owens closed in on the van, intending to ask what was going on, when all of a sudden, the van turned around and headed back towards the theater. Thankfully. The theater was evacuated when the news was received that there was a deranged gunman loose on the roads.
2: She says, Dad, we just evacuated the building. Uh, There's an active shooter. Next thing I know on the phone, I hear, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. Here he comes. He's driving down. He's in a a mail truck. I was watching you hear pop, 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 pop. And
1: Hayden tells me, Daddy, I could see the shooter. He's looking this way. I don't know if he's going to shoot us or not. As Officer Owens turned around to follow the van, multiple other officers from both the Midland Police Department and Odessa Police Department arrived on the scene. Chad proceeded to crash the van into multiple patrol cars, while simultaneously firing shots at the officers. The officers exchanged gunfire with Chad. When suddenly, the shooting finally stopped. Officers pulled Chad from the van and handcuffed him. When paramedics showed up to the scene, he was pronounced dead. There was significant damage done to the van, and the side airbags had been deployed. After searching the van, police found an AR-15 style rifle as well as a pistol. In his abandoned vehicle, police also found four 30-round magazines. The entire rampage went on for an astounding 15 miles and lasted almost 64 minutes. The incident caused mass confusion with both the residents of Odessa and the various police departments.
0: Oh my God! He's going to kill somebody, Mom? Look. Oh my God! He's going to kill somebody! Whoa! Oh my God!
2: There's a shooting going on in Odessa. Texas. Oh God, they're shooting right there. Oh, he hits the barrier. The cop just hit the barrier. Get out, get out, get out. Get out, get out, get out, get out. Stand still. He's shooting him, He's shooting them. Oh, he killed him. He
1: killed him. A the oh,
2: he's shooting them up. He hit the barrier.
1: Because the crime scene was moving. It was hard for police to respond to 911 calls because they were coming in over a 15-mile range. Over the course of those 64 minutes, the entire city of Odessa was put on lockdown during the attack. During the shooting, Chad called 911 and said he was the shooter.
2: Well, so far, we've got 21 victims that were uh, transported to uh, either medical center or R.M.C. Uh, we've ha- also had some that were transported to Middle Memorial Hospital. So uh, that, that, that's the count at this point.
1: There were seven people killed and 25 injured in the murderous rampage. The youngest of the victims was Lila Hernandez, who was 15 years old. Born on May 4th, 2004, Lila just celebrated her at Quinceañera and was a sophomore at Odessa High School. She was born in Fort Stockton, Texas, making her a Texas resident for her very brief life. She was passionate about sports, and was an excellent basketball and volleyball player. Lila was also very devoted to the Saint Mary's Catholic Church. The mail carrier killed in the attack was twenty nine year old Mary Granados. Mary was born in Mexico on december twelfth, nineteen eighty nine, One of her favorite pastimes was spending time with her family. She was very mature and described as one of the sweetest and most loving people. Mary was strong in nature, but was also sensitive. She was very hardworking and endured her job for the United States Postal Service. Mary enjoyed traveling with her boyfriend, as well as spending time with her cats.
0: I basically heard her scream. I think that he could have taken a car without having to kill her, you know? Just... He could have taken the car, that's it. That's all he needed. He didn't have to take my sister.
1: Joseph Griffith, or Joe, was born on September thirteenth, 1978, and was 40 years old. He was a lifelong Odessa resident and graduated from Odessa High School in 1997. He married his junior high school sweetheart, Becky, in December of 1998. He was a very gifted and talented junior high school math teacher. Before working as a teacher, Joe was on the radio and in television. He was very involved with his church and enjoyed spending time with his children, Allison and Zachary. Edwin Perugino always lived life to the absolute fullest. He was just 25 years old when his life was unexpectedly cut short. He was a joy to be around and always seemed to be in a good mood. He had moved to San Antonio, Texas just two weeks before losing his life. Edwin was in Odessa visiting his parents for the Labor Day weekend. He was born in Garden City, Kansas on September 8, 1993. Edwin loved to work out, go out with friends, and spend time with his family. Cameron Carltis Brown went by Carltis. He was just 30 years old and was an Army veteran. He served his country in Afghanistan from March 2008 until February 2009. Before serving in the Army, Carltis attended Coleman High School. In high school, he was a very talented football player, as well as a track star. He graduated in 2007 and immediately enlisted in the Army. When Carltis returned from being overseas, he suffered from severe PTSD. In an effort to keep his mind busy, he started working for Standard Safety and Supply, driving one of their trucks. The Standard Safety and Supply website states that they, quote, strive to provide industry leading and cost effective health, safety, and environmental services to oil and gas producers and service companies. Rodolfo Arco, who preferred to be called Rudy, was born in Havana, Cuba, on april seventeenth, nineteen sixty two. The fifty six year old father had a son and daughter and owned a trucking company. After the Route ninety one music festival massacre, Rudy moved his family out of Las Vegas in an attempt to find a safer place to live. He had his heart set on Odessa, Texas. Little did Rudy know that on August 31st, 2019, Odessa would be no safer than Las Vegas, Nevada. Rudy's children explained that he was an all-star dad, and that he always tried to have fun. Multiple people were injured in the attack. Officer Zach Owens was shot multiple times in the arm and hand. One of his eyes was also severely injured by the glass shrapnel. Trooper Chuck Pryor was shot in the face and was taken to the hospital in serious but stable condition. He underwent surgery that same night where he ultimately recovered. The youngest of the victims, a 17-month-old baby, was shot in the face through her bottom lip. An off-duty paramedic helped her and her mom until an ambulance arrived. She was taken to the hospital where she underwent surgery. The majority of Odessa, Texas, is located in Ector County, but a small section does expand into Midland County. Odessa had a population of around 99,000 people, making it the 29th most populous city in Texas. In 2014, Odessa was rated as the third fastest growing small city in the United States. The total area of Odessa is around 44 square miles. It was originally founded in 1881 as a cattle shipping point and water stop located on the Texas and Pacific Railway. The town was said to be named after Odessa, Ukraine, due to the similarity in landscape. Odessa was incorporated as a city in 1927, and just two days later, the oil fields started to grow, and the economy rapidly started growing as well. Odessa is located above the Permian Basin, which is a large sedimentary deposit that has large reserves of oil and natural gas. The weather is typical of Texas. The summers are hot and sunny, while winters are mild and dry. Snowfall is very rare. The Salisbury Companies are the largest employer, with about 4,000 employees. Chad was born on September 17, 1982 in Potter County, which is located in the Texas Panhandle. At the time of the shooting, Chad was estranged from most, if not all, of his family. He had a long history of mental health problems and a troubled past, He was known for making racist comments and always had trouble making friends because of his odd behavior. He grew up in Central Texas, Lorena, to be more specific, and went to high school in Lorena. After high school, he attended McLennan Community College in Waco, Texas, for just one semester in the year 2000. In August of 2001, Chad was arrested in Waco for criminal trespassing and evading arrest. Both charges were misdemeanors. He also attempted to break into a woman's bedroom after he threatened to kill the woman's brother. In 2002, Chad pled guilty to the crimes. Also, in 2001, Chad attempted suicide and was taken to a psychiatric center in Waco. One time, he became uncontrollable, and the nurses who were caring for him had to lock themselves in a room. When police arrived to help, Chad came at them with a pipe. One of the officers was forced to use pepper spray to detain Chad. In 2006, Chad was committed to an institution in McLennan County because a court order deemed him to be a danger to himself and others. On February 7th, 2011, Chad's mom called the police because he was refusing to take his mental health medication. He had become delusional about a government conspiracy against him. He said if his mom called the police, he would commit suicide in a police shootout. When police arrived at the home, they found a machete under Chad's bed. The police also found an underground shelter that Chad dug in the backyard. After this incident, the officer sketched out the property of the home, giving it to the local SWAT team, just in case something were to happen at home. In 2012, Chad called the police and reported that people were taking pictures of him, without his permission. The police were unable to obtain any proof that someone was taking pictures of Chad. In 2014, he was arrested for public intoxication by the Odessa Police Department. Chad had an older sister who committed suicide when she was just 34 years old, in 2015. She shot herself in the head and was taken to the hospital. Tragically, she did not survive. His sister was a graduate of Texas A&M University. For many years, Chad would call the police, reporting that a cult was responsible for his sister's death.
0: He was on a long spiral of, of going down. He didn't wake up Saturday morning and walk into his company, and and then it happened.
1: While Chad's behavior was odd, the way he lived was rather odd, too. He lived in Odessa, on the outskirts of town, in a metal shack. It was around 20 miles from downtown Odessa, on an unmarked road off of Kermit Highway. The shack didn't have any electricity, plumbing, running water, or furniture, and the floor was made of dirt. A lot of times, he ran different items from generators, which he had all over his home. If it got cold out at night, Chad slept in his car with the engine running and the heat on. It's
2: a very strange residence. Uh, It's very small. I can tell you the conditions uh, reflect what we believe his mental state was.
1: Neighbors said when he moved into the home, there was what they assumed to be a wife and kids. However, over time, they seemed to disappear, and Chad was left living alone with his dog. Chad's neighbors called the police reporting him for shooting small animals, particularly rabbits, from the roof of his house. However, it appeared that no police reports were ever made. Chad yelled at his neighbors while carrying his rifle. Needless to say, his neighbors were absolutely terrified of him. In January of 2014, Chad attempted to purchase a gun. However, He failed the background check because a court had deemed him mentally unfit to own a firearm. He ended up finding a loophole in the system and was able to purchase a firearm from a private sale, which is essentially one individual selling a firearm to another. This type of sale doesn't require a background check. One neighbor in particular said that Chad was very antisocial, even nicknaming Chad el loco. El loco means the wild one in Spanish. Chad seemed obsessed with conspiracy theories even calling the FBI national tip line hundreds of times in his 36 years of life. He was also known to listen to rock music very loudly. Chad never had any visitors, and neighbors would see him driving different trucks with various names written on the side of them. This made them assume that he never held a job for very long. Two days after the shooting on September 2, 2019, An autopsy was done on Chad at the Tarrant County Medical Examiner's office. The examiner found that he was not under the influence of any drugs or alcohol. It was also released that Chad was wearing green pants, an orange shirt, gray socks, and boots when he committed the shooting. He was 5 feet 9 inches and weighed in at 202 pounds. Chad suffered from bullet wounds on his knees, thighs, ribs, neck, and arm. Lacerations and abrasions were also found on his body. He had internal injuries from the bullet wounds in his lungs, liver, and bowels. Chad's skull was not penetrated. However, his face and head were injured by bullet fragments. We don't know a lot about Chad's younger years because he was estranged from his family. What we do know is that he had been on a downward spiral for many, many years. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Active Shooter, the podcast. Remember, if you see something, say something. There's no telling how many lives you may be saving. A huge thank you to Darren Curtis, who composed some of the music used in this episode. Check him out at DarrenCurtisMusic.com D-A-R-R-E-N-C-U-R-T-I-S Music.com.
0: Active Shooter reports of an Active Shooter Active Shooter
1: Active Shooter of Casualty Incidents Make sure to check us out on social media we have a discussion group on Facebook just search for Active Shooter the podcast discussion group you can also find us on Instagram at Active the podcast and Twitter at podcast active. For just $1 a month, you can get access to ad-free episodes, early release episodes when available, and a shout-out on the show. Just go to patreon.com forward slash active the podcast. Thank you, and be safe.
0: This is Brewcrime, a craft beer and true crime podcast. I'm Mike. I'm Beck. And I'm Nina. And we're your hosts. We pair a true crime story with a craft beer that Nina will probably hate. (laughs) Yeah, probably. Whatever. You can find our show on all your favorite podcast apps. And if you can't find it, contact us and we'll try and change that.
2: We
1: can be found at brewcrime.com or on all social media platforms at Brewcrime.
0: Join us as we discuss the horrible crimes that surround us and try not to giggle.